If you have your Bibles, please open up to Psalm 145, uh, Psalm of David. Uh, so Psalm 145, we're going to pray and we'll look at this passage. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, Father, we, um, we pray, Lord, as we uh, continue our diversion from Matthew, Lord, uh, to really study the, the topic of thanksgiving and gratitude. Father, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts deep within us, Lord. Um, I pray that you would fill us with godly contentment, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, and that our hearts and mouths would be filled with praise. Uh, Lord, we are thankful uh, for all that you have done for us in Christ. Um, if nothing else had been done for us, Lord, this is more than we could ever possibly comprehend or imagine. Lord, your goodness, your faithfulness, your loving kindness, kindness to us uh, is overwhelming. And so, Father, I pray that you would um, clear our hearts and our minds from, from distractions, from things that pull us away from you. And Lord, as we just sang, Lord, we pray that you would light that fire again. Lord, that um, we would long for you, Lord, um, that you would be the desire of our heart. And we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen. All right, as we go through the scriptures, um, it's, it's clear that thankfulness is, is a command to those who follow God. It's something that is... Um, encouraged just throughout the pages of the scriptures. First um, Thessalonians 5.18 makes it clear um, that, that, that giving thanks is actually um, the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. It, it reads, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, last week we looked at Psalm 100. That was a, a psalm of thanksgiving. Its, it's, it's, um, it, its focus was giving thanks and the foundation of all of the, the thanksgiving, the outward actions, at the foundation were three things found in the fifth verse um, that dealt with sort of God's goodness, His faithfulness, His loving kindness. And from these three things, these three attributes of God, um, the psalmist writes that we were to, to live our lives joyfully, praising Him. Uh, today's psalm, Psalm 145 is the only psalm with the um, this subscript, a psalm of praise, and it tells us that it's of David. And so the whole purpose, this is surprise, it was surprising to me that this is the only psalm that deals with praise. Um, while they're all sort of praises to God, this is the one that sort of is identified as a, a psalm of praise and thanksgiving to God. And so we're going to read this psalm, and then we'll look at it. Um, a psalm of praise of David. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. 
Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy my mouth will speak the praises the praise of the lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever and father we thank you for your word we ask that you would help us now and it's in christ's good name we pray amen okay so this is um the last psalm that david wrote as far as we know um, there there could be other psalms that he wrote that he wasn't identified um in the address of it uh, this is the last one that identifies David as the author, and it's the only psalm that identifies itself as a psalm of praise. As I've been considering gratitude and thankfulness, it seems that praise is sort of a, a, a fruit of thankfulness, that it's something that bubbles up from a heart of gratitude, um, that if we recognize the things that Psalm 100 sort of identify that God is good, that he's faithful, that his loving kindness endures forever. If we know this about God, it seems that gratitude, thankfulness sort of results, as I said, in praise. This is an interesting Psalm. Um, I do want to address one uh, difficulty uh, in this Psalm. If you were reading out of the uh, NIV or the ESV, you possibly lost track as I read. Um, this is what's called an acrostic psalm. There are, I think, eight of them where they go through the alphabet, uh, not the English alphabet, but the Hebrew alphabet. And basically from each letter of the alphabet, the author writes something with that letter. So in the English, we lose it. But, it, but if this was done in the English or the acrostic was done in the English, it would go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And, and the first word would begin with that letter of the alphabet. Now, for those of you that are Hebrew scholars, you'll notice why are there only 21 verses? Because how many verses are, how many of letters are in the Hebrew alphabet? Uh, I know Dave just did an alphabet. Do you remember pop quiz? Do you remember how many letters? 22. There are 22 letters. I, anytime I do a pop quiz, I'm not going to like, this isn't the environment to like really put people on the spot. There are 22 letters, yet there are only 21 verses. 
the, there's a missing letter. Uh, and that falls between verses 13 and 14. Uh, it, it really depends on who you ask for this, why this is. Um, J. Vernon McGee would say that it was intentional, that it was left out. Uh, the letter nun or nun is how it sounds in the English, nun, like a nun from the Catholic Church. Is, think of that letter like the letter N. Um, he believes that it was intentionally left out because of all, all um, to show that worship in this life is sort of imperfect. Um, that's a theory. Um, when he lived, he's been passed away for a number of years now. Um, they've made some discoveries. Uh, they've discovered uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls and some older manuscripts that they didn't have at the time that some of these older manuscripts have, um, there, there is the none in there. So if you're reading out of the NIV, you would have read after verse 13, but within verse 13, you would have read this. Uh, the Lord is faithful in, in all his words and kind in all his works. And you would notice that in the ESV, it's in brackets. That's, that's a, a translator sort of red flag to you that, um, that they've found manuscripts that have this verse, but in their translation committee, they could not reach agreement that they were not sure. Um, they're just not positive that it was in the original, in the original text, but they're, they're just not sure. Um, I, I bring this up because I really think it's a beautiful thing to show the authenticity, um, the reliability of the scriptures that we have in our hands. Uh, in all of the modern translations, we truly are, are blessed. Um, in these, these highly sort of debated uh, things, there's really no problem. The whole context of this, nothing in it would go against, it would only support the Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Um, but, but the translators let us know, like, hey, as we examine the thousand manuscripts from uh, over hundreds of years, th- this could be in there or it could not be in there. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I'm bringing it up for the the, the one maybe, ah, there's probably one person in this group that cares about that. I don't know who that person is, but some people care about it. Um, and so as we look at this, um, this is a terribly difficult passage to, to outline, to, to, to carry thoughts sort of in order, um, especially if you're trying to teach on it. Um, we don't live, I, I don't say we don't live in a, I went to Michigan a couple weeks ago, and in Michigan, I've, I, I met some people that are very different than people here in San Diego. I know we have two people from Michigan here, and they're like something, or three, maybe, I don't know. Are you from Michigan, too, or are you just one? Are you from Michigan? <laughs> okay, only. Uh, <clears throat> so there are some sports fanatics in the, I enjoy competition, like I like, like every now and again, I, I mean, I like watching. I mean, this year's not really this football season's over for me. Both the Chargers and the Niners are out of it, and but I enjoy it like a good match. But beyond that, I don't follow all the stats, and so I went there sort of armed and dangerous to sort of poke and prod to make fun of them. But I was so out. There were fanatical people who like could tell you. 
that Johnny Ray, in 1965, he scored 72 touchdowns, had three penalties against him. And I was like, okay, I'm way over my head. Like, I, I am so, like, it's what they wanted to talk about. They were consumed by it. And there's various things that we're consumed by. And when a person is consumed by something and they're passionate about it, they just can talk and let it flow. And in this psalm, King David is writing this near the end of his life. It's the last of his psalms. And he just sort of in praise releases all sorts of information. Like, and, and so much so where Anna's laughing at me because I really have no notes. I have the Bible in front of me. And so we're just going to work through this psalm. Um, I have it all sorts of different colors to try to figure it out. And as I sort of figure out this psalm, there are a couple things that stand out to me that I would like to to point out to you before we work through it. Um, In this psalm, number one, I see that there's a, a, a lot of things from King David sort of saying, I will extol you, I will bless you, I will bless you, I will praise your name, I will meditate, I will... That the, the King David, as he's writing this psalm, he's speaking uh, from his heart to God. Um, all through this psalm, we see you, your, you, your name, your works, your mighty acts, your majesty, your wonderful works, your awesome acts, your greatness, your abundant goodness, your righteousness, your works to you, your godly ones shall bless you. The glory of your kingdom, your power, your mighty acts, your kingdom, your kingdom, your dominion endures to you and you give them their food. You open your hand. This is this is David speaking to God. This is not a psalm that he's writing to another group of people to explain who God is. This is a psalm that David, as he's writing, he's pouring his heart out to God. And so we can come and we can sort of participate with this. We can learn from King David on how to praise God, how to give thanks to God. Um, Also within this passage, as David's speaking about himself to God, he's communicating with God. There's another group of people of like the others, the world, uh, things like one generation shall and shall declare, speaking of that same generation, men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your, uh, I won't get ahead there, and will shout joyfully, shall give thanks to you. They shall speak and talk of your, to make known to the, the eyes of all look to you. So there's sort of, as David is praising God, he's also showing that there's going to be a whole group of people sort of doing the very things that he's explaining. All through this passage, we see uh, descriptive words and phrases that describe who God is, his character, his nature, all through this passage. And so I really have, I, I, I don't have a clue on how to outline it. Um, The first seven verses, I sort of see the focus on God's greatness, that David is just consumed with who God is. Then in verses 8 and 9, sort of dealing with God's greatness, uh, 
David focuses on God's grace and his mercy. Verses 10 through 13, we see um, a focus of the kingdom of God, that, that King David sees this picture of, of the kingdom. It's so key as we're going through Matthew. Um, then the last seven verses, 14 through 21, David just sort of ruptures into the goodness of God. And so my plan is just to sort of work through this, just verse by verse, and make a few comments on this. Um, makes it really easy because I'm not going to get lost in my notes. I turn the second page and I have the conclusion ready to go, <laughs> which really involves you guys, just to warn you. Uh, we're going to play the thankful game. We play it once a year. And this year I have biblical validation for playing the, the thankful game. Because we're studying an acrostic, meaning he went through the whole alphabet and praised God based on each letter. So we're going to do the same thing in the English language at the very end. It's, it's going to be crowd participation. So prepare yourself. So verse 1, King David begins with, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Um, this word extol I, I looked up because I'm like, I think I know what it means, but it's, it really just means to, to praise. But it's like praising on steroids or a whole lot of caffeine. It's just like he can't not praise God. And when he praises him, when he's extolling him, it's going to be from everything within him. And then he says, I'm extolling you, the creator of the universe. And he says, my God. One of the things I've, in my life, has like one of the coolest worship experiences that I've had um, is being able to worship in an African-American church. If you ever are on a vacation or you get the opportunity to go work, worship at a black church, it, <laughs> amen. It is, it is just phenomenal. Prepare to like be there for about three hours. And... Uh, but there, when I talk to my, my black African-American brothers in Christ, one thing that always gets me, we talk about God. And I'll be talking with my brothers there, and it always stands out to me. They say, my God will rescue you. My God will help you. My God is faithful. That there's, like, that, that there's this personal relationship. When I get around them, I need, I need to speak about God like, my God will rescue you. My God will be there for you. David is saying, I will extol you, my God O king. And this my, I think, is critical. Because if you're raised in the church, if you were brought up in the church, if you, uh, that doesn't make God your God. That there, there's this picture of relationship all through the scriptures where an individual decides to link themselves to the creator of the universe who has reached out to them. And this picture of my God, O king. That the man writing this psalm, I would suggest, was probably the most powerful man in human history. Definitely the most powerful man at the time of writing. Um, there was no democracies back then. King David was a respected man amongst the world. Um, Solomon had great wisdom. But David was the man who fought many wars and battles and conquered and that God used him in a mighty way from a, from, a, from a young age. And here's this powerful, wealthy man 
prostrate before the Lord, that he was worshiping bow down. I will extol you, my God, O king. This is the greatest king worshiping the true king. And I will bless your name forever and ever. He has this picture of eternity that we, although created, will live forever in the future. And this is the, the, the picture of heaven is ongoing worship. Verse 2, he says, every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name uh, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Again, same line. The thing that jumped out at me in this one is the every day. Um, to me, this shows the commitment of King David to God. Um, his, his concept of worshiping God wasn't dependent upon whether he was having a good day or a bad day, whether things were going well or things were not going well, whether he felt like it or he didn't feel like it. That there's this picture of commitment every day, regardless of how I feel, regardless if I want to go to church, regardless if I'm too tired, regardless of whatever the excuse may be, he says, every day I am committing myself to blessing you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. I love that David in this psalm, as we follow the psalm from the beginning to the end, it really starts with David. There's a little bit about David at the end, but he really leads to all peoples. And I love his picture of uh, leadership, that David isn't asking people to sort of um, to, to do what he says and not what he does. He's, he really is setting the example from his heart that he's going to praise God. He's going to follow then in verse 3, great is the Lord and highly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. I love it when I stumble across passages like this in, in the Bible that I'm asked to explain. Um, the unsearchable riches of God, the unfathomable <laughs> grace of God. How do, we, uh, how do we describe this? He says, great is the Lord, highly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. That if this was, um, uh, somebody said this is a, a plumb line that can't reach the bottom, which resonated with me this week as I was studying this. And somebody said, well, if you were to take a plumb line and draw a, a lead line, you know, or, um, and the SEAL teams, this is what we do. We, as we're mapping a beach, we basically just drop a line the old-fashioned way. We have little knots in our rope. And so we count, count our ropes, as we count our knots as the rope is going down. And we go, oh, it's 21 feet here because I counted my knots. I know exactly how far it is. But this is like that the greatness of God, there is no line, there is no measurement, there is nothing that can quantify how great is God. It's unsearchable. But David has this huge picture of who God is. And it's from this great, massive picture of God that has his heart right before him that he bows down and worships him and just really, he's fanatical about his worship towards God. Verse 4, he says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. <clears throat> no one in the scriptures claims to be perfect. Um, David nowhere claims to be perfect. But I love that he and his son, while totally imperfect and had some pretty grievous sins, that both of them 
sort of un- understood the importance of passing on who God is to the next generation. That if you read Ecclesiastes, I remember when I preached through that, it was like pretty rough by the end. I, I'd get, I got a lot of complaints. I, I mean, I don't get a lot of complaints, but during Ecclesiastes, I got like three or four complaints. I got one email I'll never forget, and it was like, why do you have to like say that? You know, whatever I'd said was depressing. And, it, and I remember responding back to him, I'm like, did I, did I misteach the text? Because that could have happened. And I, and I want to know, like, if I said something, that I'm not perfect. They're like, no, you just brought it to life, like, so well that it's depressing. I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry about that, but that's what it says. So if I'm going to, like, the futility of life and the vanity of everything. But Solomon, by the end, what does he say? Young people, worship God from the beginning. Don't wait till you're old. Worship God. David here at the end says, one generation shall praise your works to another. That, that there's a responsibility from one generation to the next. And I remember, I, you know, the thing that always cracks me up in my mind, I probably shouldn't even say this, is like the older generation, for me, the, the, the ones that are older, and I say this to guard myself, as I notice, you know, like the 80-plus the crowd is like, oh, this whole world is just, it's, well, I can't say what they say, but it's falling apart. <laughs> it wasn't that way. And then there's a side of me that thinks, you're the generation that raised this generation that's going to, so you have some culpability in this. But then the reality is if you go back 20 years, 40 years, 100 years, like where the blame really goes is to Adam and Eve. But there's a warning in this, like I can't necessarily change the whole culture, but there's a great responsibility to the, the, the young ones that I'm around, that we have a responsibility that, that I think worshiping God in so many ways is caught, not taught. We can teach certain things. But to know that the children in the, your home, your grandchildren, the, the kids that you have involvement with, they see you. They see how you worship God or you don't worship God. They see your gratitude or really your ingratitude. And they'll mimic you. And David sees this and he he understands that one generation shall praise your works. If one generation praises and follows after God, there seems to be this picture that to the to another and shall declare your mighty acts that as we show and demonstrate our worship of God, it, it's passed on to the next generation through the Old Testament, the standing of stones, something great would happen and God would say, OK, go stand a bunch of rocks up. Okay, you want to stand a bunch of rocks up? Why are we supposed to do this, God? Oh, that way because the next generation, they'll see this, this pile of stones. And they'll say, what are those stones there for? Oh, let me tell you what God did. He rescued the people of Israel, and it was a mighty thing. And, and Peter takes that illustration on into the New Testament. And he says that we're living stones, that our lives are supposed to do the same thing. Okay, probably enough on that point. Let's move on here. Verse 5. Um, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wonderful works, I will meditate. In my Bible, in this whole section, there's a whole lot of orange highlighting. And orange highlighting to me is sort of focusing on God, like God things, God character, God, uh, his, his nature, his heart. And so in verse 5, there's a whole lot of this. Glorious splendor, majesty, wonderful works. He's describing God. And then as he describes these, these unsearchable 
hard to understand things about God's nature, he says, I will meditate. Um, in our fast-paced world to the, that we live in, everything's right at the tip of our fingertips. You know, with our phones, we have like everything there. Um, talking with Dave Johnson about this uh, spiritual disciplines class that they finished last week, one of the things that a number of the people that I talked to sort of came up with was sort of in this, this the ease and access of information that we have our fingertips on that, that if I say something, you guys just say, you have Google, your friend, you just punch in Google. Then you can see, oh, I don't know that word. So then you punch, you just tap that word and it gives you definition. And then you have like all of this stuff. And the picture is that, that we have so much information that we're just sort of like taking it all in, but we're not stopping and considering and focusing and meditating on it. I know I've been deeply convicted, like for me, like my, my phone, like I'll, I, I've been intentionally like not bringing my phone everywhere and shutting it off and leaving it because I, I think that there's, there's a new harm that's coming to us by not meditating. And here's King David. I think about this, that when he looks at the creation of the world and what God has done, he's blown apart. And I just picture him with a cup of tea, just sort of like taking it all in and, and trying, trying to figure out the vastness of God and how does it all um, work itself out. I think of that psalm when he considers the heavens and the earth, like who is man that God would consider him? It's an awesome thing. And, and I think about this. This was even before, like, the Discovery Channel. This is before science. Like, I, I think it's hilarious, you know, that in our world we say, oh, science just disproves God and we don't need God and he's out of the picture. When I look at science, when I look at the microscope, and, I, and, and you can go down to the microscopic level or even beyond and you discover, like, DNA and you see the whole hard wiring of everything that an individual is going to be, it is fascinating like that just doesn't happen like how did god do that like it's mind-boggling but then if we take the telescope and go the other way out into like the vastness of the world and to consider that god just spoke all of this into existence and it just worked it's mind-boggling it's something to meditate upon something to, to ponder his majesty we say evolution, but the reality is, is there's the sort of the irreducible complexity of things that they, that we are so complex. It doesn't just work that, oh, we failed that time. Next time we'll just evolve it. it the complexity involved in a human cell or any sort of a, a plant cell, it has to work the first time. How did he do that? I mean, I don't get, I'm. I've been, been trying to build a chicken coop for the last year. <laughs> How did he make DNA? And he's meditating upon this. And when we consider the greatness of God, it should make us fall to our faces and just praise him. Verse 6, men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts. And he says, I will tell of your greatness So as he meditates upon this, as he considers who God is, what he's done, the things he's created, what I see in this verse is it leads to evangelism. That he can't keep his mouth shut. 
that as he's encountered God, all he wants to do is to go declare this to other men. (laughs) This is the most powerful man on the earth. What a wonderful thing. And he wasn't a perfect guy, but he says, as he's experienced God, I will tell of your greatness. That he just wants to tell others about the Lord. And I think as we encounter God, we become fanatical. We want to proclaim. We want to tell our family members. We want to tell our children. We want to tell our neighbors. We want to tell because God is awesome. Verse 7, they shall, now he shifts to the others. He's speaking himself. He's speaking to those others who also know God like him. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. So here I see this evangelism thing, this proclamation of how good God is. I see this continuing in this verse. Um, I also, something else jumped out at me. Um, That phrase, eagerly utter the memory. So there's present tense of what God is doing, but this whole idea of utter this memory. I think there's, and I'm not a journaler. Like, I don't sit down with a diary every single day. But a few times a year, there's like significant things that God does or he's stirring. And I'll write them down or I'll document them. I wish I was, I really wish I was better at this. Um, But there's something to remember what God has done. To remember where you came from. To remember the situation that you were in. As you came to Christ, some of us were in dark places. But the people who I think really, like, that I wish, like, those kids who were raised in a Christian home where they came to know Christ at an early age, where their parents invested in them, taught them about the things of God so that they avoided all of that, you should remember how awesome it was that God gave you this situation where you could come to know him at an early age. So there's this proclamation, there's this remembering, this um, abundant goodness, that same word that we looked at last week, the goodness of God. Shout joyfully of your righteousness. You don't have to proclaim to people, uh, like Charles Swindoll says, that we look like we got baptized in lemon juice. Like joy is okay. Like, Like our encounter with God should make us happy, joyful. Like, it's okay to enjoy this, this life, this creation, each other. Paul wrote in Romans 2.4 that it was the kindness of God that led you to repentance. Don't forget that, he says. Then we look at the, the grace of God, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful. These, these, these words that are similar but sort of counterbalances to one another or have very different meanings... Uh, merciful means that God withholds something that you deserve, not good, like punishment, judgment, condemnation. That everything our sin requires of us, God withholds that. that that's merciful. That he would send his son to the cross on our behalf when really our sin should have sent us to the, to the cross That's merciful. He withheld something. Then there's the the graciousness is giving something that we don't deserve. We can say we could use the cross as the same illustration. 
None of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve peace with God. But this is God's graciousness. This is his kindness towards us. That he lavishes upon us more than we could ever possibly imagine or deserve. Every day when I use butter, I think of Ephesians about this lavishing on. And when I talked about that, I made some comment about we didn't have butter. This is like five years ago. The Johnsons gave us a butter dish. And, and we've had real butter ever since I preached on Ephesians. It was one of the greatest outcomes of Ephesians. <laughs> and so now I have butter in a butter dish. And I pray for the Johnsons when I have that. And then I think when I'm lathering on the butter onto my toast, I think of, man, this is what God has done to me with his grace and his kindness. That wasn't in my notes because I don't have notes. So I have freedom just to sort of, okay, where are we at here? Um, verse eight, verse nine, the Lord is good to all. I love this. All people have been created by God. God desires all people to come to saving faith in him. I think this is the, this picture of, of who God is, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't do anything to suddenly flip the switch on God so that he would start loving us. God loved us because he's God and we're his creation. And he pours out his grace and his kindness upon all people. And it really is a sad thing that people would respond to God in the way that they do in large part. And his mercies are all over his works. Verse 10, looking into the kingdom of God, verses 10 through 13 Here's King David. This is a, a, a picture. Um, I'm not sure how far to go into this. As we go into Matthew, the kingdom of God is all throughout there. It goes back to the Davidic, Davidic covenant when, when, when God gave David this promise of this eternal kingdom. And the Jews looked back towards that promise and they started worshiping David. But then as we go into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, uh, Jesus spoke of this before his death. But then after his death, especially in Acts chapter 2, when Peter uh, gets up and he gives a sermon to the thousands that were there, David points out all of the Davidic promises that David was actually through prophecy looking forward to the death, burial, and resurrection, that David would ultimately die but the kingdom was promised to one who would never die, that this is this messianic prophecy. And here we get this glimpse that David understood that the kingdom that was promised was not his own, that this was God's kingdom. Um, verse 10, all your works shall give thanks to you. I, uh, I probably should have stopped on that one. I got a little ahead of myself, but the kingdom's in this section. But all of the works, all of creation, everything will do what? Give thanks to God. And your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men. There's evangelism again. There's this outspeaking, this sharing with others about God. The glory of your kingdom and talk of your power 
to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts, verse 12, and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. David's kingdom was not an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. This speaks of the the majesty of God's kingdom. This isn't earthly kingdoms. Earthly kingdoms, we rise up, they fall away. And he focuses on this eternal picture of God's kingdom. Then in verse 14, the Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. I read this verse, and I I probably should have researched the song, but I, I think of that audio adrenaline song there's like this this one line that talks about um falling down and then being picked up before god that it's sort of the the it's counterintuitive to what we think we think we want to boast ourselves up live for ourselves do everything that we can but the word tells us that the way up is down and i think that's the line from audio adrenaline but i think it's biblical i think it's really from the bible that they just quote about so look at those who fall the Lord will sustain you, provision. And then those who are bowed down fall and he will raise up. The eyes of all people look to you, God. And you give them their food in due time. This is God's sustenance. If you ate today or yesterday, it isn't because Costco provided a muffin for you. It's because God provided food for us. And it may have come through Costco or Trader Joe's or wherever you got your breakfast from. But everything that we have comes from him. And David understands this. David, who had storehouses of stuff, understood that the provision came from God. Verse 16, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. God is not wrong in anything he does. Everything he does is right in all his ways, and he's kind in all his deeds. I think this speaks of his nature, that God's righteousness is not a a scary thing, that that as he's righteous, there's a kindness that is associated with his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him and to all who call upon him in truth. This one stood out to me in that there's this nearness of God that wherever you are, God is there. David also wrote, where can I go to get away from you? I can't, if I go to the bottom of the ocean, you're there. If I go up in the skies, you're there. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But I also love that in God's vastness, in his everywhereness, he doesn't necessarily force himself upon anyone. The Lord is near to who? To those who call upon him. So you could be running from God like Jonah was. Um, You could be hiding from him. God's right there. But there's sort of like God waits for you to say, I'm all around you. I'm ready for you. Okay, Lord, I'm here. I need you. Okay, here I am. To all who call upon him in truth. That we're not God. We don't dictate how God's supposed to do things. Well, how can Jesus be the only way? Well, I don't know. That's what God says. That says it's his plan, not mine. So there are limitations in how we approach him. We are the created ones. We have to approach him according to how he guides and instructs us. Why is that? Well, because he's God. And I'm not. And you're not. He is. 
he wants to do it that way, he can do it that way. He's not Burger King. He's not going to do it your way. I mean, he, we come to him with these limitations that he places upon us. In verse 19, again, this goodness of God that, that he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him as we fear God. As we bow down before him and we say, hey, Lord, here I am. It's be- this, this beautiful picture that he'll fulfill the desire of your heart if your heart is correct with him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him. I read this verse. Bob Towsley doesn't remember it at all. I, um, but it, there was a really sweet moment I had with Bob Towsley. It was me and Bob doesn't remember. Um, He'd just come out of heart surgery. Because I'm a pastor, I had access to go into the ICU as he was there before anybody else. And I didn't even know if he was going to wake up. And he opened his eyes. I'm like, hey, Bob, how you doing? And he said, he looked at me and he said, the Lord takes care of his own. And it was, it was powerful. Then months later, I'm like, Bob, do you remember saying that? He's like, I don't have a, I don't, you visited me? <laughs> like, and I'm like, man, we had a real sweet moment. Like, and it's my word against him. I mean, it, it, but the Lord keeps those who love him. If you love God, if you walk, we don't have anything to be afraid of. And then there's this big butt. It's the only red in my whole, like red is warning, warning, warning. I have one red in all of this psalm. But all the wicked he will destroy. And we don't like that. But let's keep it in context. He's already said, remember, we just saw, uh, um, see, now I have to find it because I don't have notes. But just before he said that Lord, that his, oh, verse 9, the Lord is good to all. Like there comes a time when if a person finds this, that the wicked he will destroy. It's not because it's unfair. I would even say that God has gone out of his way to save those who are lost. That he's, we know he's patient. He's way more patient than us. And so for a person to find themselves in hell, it isn't because God hasn't gone out of his way to show himself to them, to try to rescue them. But they didn't respond. They chose not to be saved out of the destruction that they found themselves. And then in verse 21, David speaks again about himself in the first half, and then he transitions to others. My mouth will speak. I don't know if this is evangelism, this is praising to the world, that the whole world, because of David, will know that he is praising the Lord. And all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. This psalm is just awesome. This this. I wish we had David here to just say this to us. I feel like he would have ADHD and would just be bouncing all around, just like hopped up on coffee, just trying to share with us how awesome God is. For this week, I what I see in this psalm, when I see these acrostic psalms, I think that the reason things like an acrostic psalm or acrostic, I'd have to speak to some grammarians. But I think that there's like an exercise, a discipline um, that I want to do the ABC thing because I want to force myself to think through how good God is. It forces me to, to, to not give the same road answers. It forces me to sort of think beyond 
how I would normally think. And so as David wrote out this psalm, Aleph through whatever, I've forgotten the last letter of the Jewish alphabet. I'm way better with Greek than Jewishness. Uh, not Jewishness, but uh, the alphabet. He thought through each one. He said, Aleph, I'm going to start with praising God with something that started with A. Um, I would encourage you guys this week to be intentional about from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, just sort of examine your thoughts, examine your heart. How, how are you thinking about God? Are there things that you can do um, to, to trigger um, yourself to, to think about things? I love Rick, Rick always says, oh, I have these prayer triggers. I get into work and I go into work mode. I just go there. But I hear an ambulance, and that says, i got to pray for whatever's going on there. And there are various triggers. that There, there are exercises that we can do uh, to keep our heart on track. And so what I want to do is, we did it last year, um, I want to play the thankful game. I, I don't want you guys to raise your hands. I just want us to sort of shout out things. And the idea is, I am thankful for... And we're going to start, we're going to work through the, letter, the, the letters of our alphabet. Um, this year, I wrote out the alphabet because I, so I don't have to sing through the alphabet to figure each one. Um, so I am thankful for the letter A. Obviously, I'm married to Anna. That's a no-brainer. What other A's are we thankful for here? Apples. apples. We like apples. Keep the doctor away. What other A's? Acceptance. A bedtime. I like bedtime too. <laughs> what other A's? Air. All of you and what? Appreciation. How about B? Bedtime. <laughs> B's. I like honey too. Yeah. What's it? Bible. Bible's a good one. Butter. What was that? Did I hear someone over here? Bursts. Yes. Babies. C, how about C? Moving on to letter C. Cat. Okay, there are two of you. I know there's a third person in the... Clouds, chickens, cars, what? Christ, that's a good one. Sunday school answer right there. What other C do we have? How about D, dogs? That's a good one. Counterbalance of cats. Dad, can we say? Dads, awesome. What other Ds? David, yeah, he wrote the song. Discipleship. How about E? X, eggs. Any other E's? Everyone. I like it. Exercise. I like exercise. Evangelism. Uh, eyes. How about F? How about F? So, friendship, okay. Food, forgiveness, freedom, family, I heard. Faith and faith. Yeah. Figs. Okay, how about G? Goldfish. Goldfish. <laughs> Those are, we keep games. God. What other G's do we have? Gunner. <laughs> no, no. How about H? Grace. That's a good one. H. Heaven. Health. Well, health. Happiness. What did you say? Help. Help. Horses. That's a good Debbie one. That's Hands, holiness. I thought hotels. Hairs, hair. That's a, let's move on. I have an I. The letter I. That's a tough one. Ice cream. What other eyes are there? Inspiration. That's a good one. That's what other eye? Intelligence. That's a good one. Anybody other eye? 
Isabel, there we go. That's a good one. Jay, I like jokes. I, I, Jesus, that's an even better one than jokes. I, I, uh, any other J's? Jokes and Jesus. Jam, I like. I do like jam. Jelly, James, John the Apostle. Okay, how about K? Kindness is a good one. What other K's? Do? Casey, there we go. Kites, that's a good one. Wait, what was that? Cairo, hey. God's kingdom. Okay, moving on to L. What are L's that we're thankful for? Lollipops, what did you say? What? Love, two loves. Anybody else? L, L? Lila, did I hear Liberty? Liberty. Landon, what did you say? Life. How about M? Well, wait, what did you say? Majesty, mercy. What else do we have? My God, I like that one. She paid it. What? Mother? Music. That's a good one. Music is good. Uh, N. How about N? Naomi. Ninjas. Ninjas. All right. I've never met one, but I like them. What other N's do we have? We can be thankful for whatever. Nuisance. Okay, let's do Oh, how about O? Hmm? Oreos. What? Oats. What other O's? Omnipotence. How about P? Pecan pie. That's a good one. Patience. What? Parents? Pumpkin pie. Prayer. Peter. Paul. Okay. Uh, Q. Hey, I like questions. That's a great one. Quietness. That's another good one. What other cues? What? We have to... Quiet time. Quiznos is coming to my mind. I think I'm hungry already. R. How about R? Relationship, roads, redemption, rest, respect. These are all good ones. What else? How about S? Salvation, Stephen, silence, that's a good one. What else? School, Savior, singing. Don said this week, if I harnessed my voice, I would be a rock star because it's so high. So I've been really like working on my, my singing because I'm going to make a lot of money through my singing, I think. That's my new, that's my new quest. Sorry, T, T. Teachers, trust. I'm thankful. Telephone. I'm thankful for my friend Tom who uh, helped Anna and the baby get saved when we, that was the guy we called. So Tom. Thankfulness. What? Talk? Right here? Okay, you. I'm not saying uniforms because I don't like uniforms. Understanding. I like that one. You? Uniqueness. I like uniqueness. United States. Another great one. We said that one, understanding twice. How about V? Victory in Jesus. What other? Uh, what? V. V. V's a tough one. V- veterans. Valley Center. V's. Any more V's? Going once. Going. Veggie Tail. 
W-W. Wisdom, worship. Water is a good one. We need water. What other ones do we have? Work is a good one. I like work. Words, I like words. This is a good one. Did I hear something? Weekends, Weekends are great. Wisdom. Okay, X. I've been thinking about X. because I'm going to say X-rays too. I'm going to say for not just because it starts with the letter X, but this week because last year Gideon smashed his teeth. And so I'm super thankful for X-rays because we were able to go to the dentist and the dentist X-rayed and said, hey, he's, it, everything's healing up. He's going to be fine. So I really am thankful for X-rays. They're an amazing thing. Okay, any other X's? I don't think a xylophone. What is a xylophone? Just, oh, one of those. Okay, oh, one of those things. Okay. I just wanted to challenge the person that said xylophone just to, okay, uh, why? Yaks. Yaks, I like yaks. You. you, I like that. Okay. Youth is a good one. What other? You, yogurt, frozen yogurt. I don't know if that counts. Yard. Okay, let's see. Z. Okay. Zebras. What other? Are there any other Z's other than zebras? The zoo. I, the zoo is a good one. I like the zoo. <laughs> Zippers are good. Zealousness. That one takes the prize. Okay, let's close in prayer. We are. We. That's. Uh, but it's such a good exercise. Whenever we do this, it always. It, it always surprises me how you look before and how you look afterwards. And I do think that as we practice thankfulness, it leads to praise. Uh, So let us pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you. Uh, Lord, help us to never lose sight of who you are, how awesome you are, how mighty you are, uh, how good you are to us. Uh, Father, we we pray, Lord, that you would um, make us a thankful people, make us a people who are filled with praise day in and day out. Lord, may we come to know you uh, more intimately each day. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for our church family. I thank you for the deep friendships uh, that we have with one another. I thank you for um, the missionaries that we're partnered with and that we are in, uh, in, in such close relationship with them. We lift them up to you. And Father, we pray that this day would be filled with praises. Uh, may you be glorified through our hearts, through our words, through our actions. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen.